Hello and welcome back to Witch Fix. I'm Sarah and to be honest this is going to be a little bit of a weird one because this book that I'm looking at, Lily's House by Cassandra Parkin, isn't one that I picked for myself. It was a present from a friend uh, as part of like a little cheer up package. We send them to each other sometimes and this was in there and they got it for me because on the back the blurb says when Jen goes to her grandmother's house for the last time she's determined not to dwell on the past as a child Jen adored Lily and suspected she might be a witch but the spell was broken long ago and now her death means there won't be any reconciliation Lily's gone but the enchantment she wove and the secrets she kept still remain. In Lily's house, Jen and her daughter Marianne reluctantly confront the secrets of the past and present and discover how dangerous we become when we're trying to protect the ones we love. I definitely think they got it for me because it talks about witches on the back and they know that I'm doing this podcast and that I'm just interested in witches and they are themselves also a witch so they have that going on. Having read the book, um, I did enjoy it and it was very good. It wasn't necessarily about witches. I will put witch involvement at about a one on a scale of ten. There isn't actually so much like magic in it. There are quite a lot of ways in which metaphor is used and ideas in it in the way they're expressed quite poetically, which makes it seem a little bit like witchcraft. I guess it kind of reminds me of Practical Magic by Alice Hoffman, perhaps even slightly less magical than that, because the word witch isn't necessarily used to describe her grandmother. I have to say it is a phenomenal book and I think it is probably the best book that I have read all year. Uh, in the sense that it has stayed with me for quite a while after finishing it. And that's basically why I decided to make an episode about it, because I wasn't sure if it was witchy enough, but it's definitely a really good book and definitely has some of those witchy undertones in there. So I'm going to talk about it. Now, there will be some spoilers because the plot is quite involved and the plot is what I really liked about it. So I'll try and steer clear of major spoilers, but a few might fall in. So to start with, Cassandra Parkin quite a successful writer. Uh, Her short story collection, New World Fairy Tales, uh, won the 2011 Scott Prize for short stories, and she's had work published in magazines, anthologies, etc. And her debut novel, The Summer We All Ran Away, came out in 2013. And from that, she was nominated for Amazon Rising Stars 2014. She has several other books, including The Beach Hut and The Winter's Child. Uh, Lily's House, which is the book that I'm reviewing, was published in 2016. So quite a successful author, quite a lot of books that are very popular. And you can have a look at the rest of them on Amazon and Goodreads. So this is the one that I'm going to be talking about. And I've read you the blurb, so you you know a little bit about what it's about. Uh, Just to fill in a little bit of structure around that. The book begins with Jen and her young daughter Marianne arriving at Lily's house, which is actually um a flat within a large old-fashioned house. And it's where Jen used to spend her summers as a child. Her parents would pack her off to live with Lily and Lily was like the ideal grandmother uh, in that she let her do whatever she wanted. She let her roam free and wild, uh, pet the neighbour's cat, spend ages down at the beach swimming and beachcombing. And she'd make her cakes and home-cooked meals and would, when Jen couldn't sleep, slip into her room and tell her that she was giving her one of her magic rings and then let her wear like her real diamond infinity band 
so that it would help her sleep. But there was another side to Lily which Jen kind of reveals in the opening chapters of the novel in that Lily was very competitive with Jen's mother as Lily is her dad's mum. She views her mum as kind of lacking in just the maternal and housewifely graces. She's not as organised. She doesn't know how to make things from scratch. She doesn't know how to make it all look easy and effortless. And there's quite a lot of tension there. And I thought that that was going to be the, the theme of the novel, the the kind of tension between her grandma and her mum and them pulling Jen in different directions. And maybe that's what led to the estrangement. But it turns out that isn't the case. And all of the, the secrets in the novel um, go a lot deeper and darker than anything that I could have thought about going into it. And I'm not going to reveal those to you because I want you to go and read the book because it's amazing. At the start of the novel, there were some hints and things towards something being up with Jen um, when she gets shouted at by a stranger who she meets. She doesn't understand what they're saying. She tells them, you know, I, you know, I didn't get that. Uh, and then she always texts her husband because her, her husband is at home while she's travelled up to pack up Lily's house. And she texts him while her daughter phones. And I started thinking, is she like deaf or hard of hearing or there's something going on there, but it hadn't been like explicitly stated. And I kind of struggled with that for a few chapters because it was like this little niggling thing of like, I just want it confirmed or denied one way or the other, just so I know what's happening. I don't like this being in limbo and not knowing if it's something that I should be thinking about in terms of character or not. And then later on, uh, about halfway through the novel, it's kind of dropped in. Jen talking about her mum and how her mum was having a go at her about uh, cochlear implants and I was like aha she is deaf Uh, and then you kind of work out around halfway through okay she can do sign language she can read lips and a lot of the time when she's talking to her daughter they're actually signing and not actually like talking it can be difficult I know to write characters who go against what the reader might think of as being sort of the norm or the average person because coming right out and just saying oh yeah this character's this or this character's got that can feel forced and weird um, and can feel a bit tokenistic but I would like have liked it dropped in a bit earlier maybe about cochlear implants or something to suggest that quite strongly to the reader actually she, she is deaf so maybe getting there and watching tv with subtitles on or something to give me like a clear signal because then i'm like oh okay i know where we are and i feel a lot more stable as a reader in my impression of the character that was quite a tiny thing but it just annoyed me how long it went on that i wasn't really sure something else that kind of got to me through the whole book was the husband slash boyfriend because he's referred to in both the past and the present scenes he's a little bit strange and then it turned out that there was a good reason why he was coming off as a bit strange so I'm prepared to let that go because it was definitely intentional and definitely meant to be in there Uh, along those lines and this is quite spoilery but I I am going to give a trigger warning because the content in this book is quite would be quite triggering to some people I know um so if you don't want to spoiler just stop listening for a couple of seconds and just pretend I didn't say any of this but there's a trigger warning on this uh, for discussion of spousal abuse rape sexual coercion and spousal violence domestic violence which is talked about um, a number of different relationships are affected by this it isn't just you know one character or one relationship it's a pretty hefty theme 
in the book so I would go as far to say as there is it, the book is just steeped in it and that's generally what it seems to be about so if that's something that's going to upset you or that you're you don't think you're going to want to read definitely steer clear of this book because there is no reading around it it's definitely all through the book spoilers over i really liked the way in which lily is kind of presented as a witch um to young jen she's this very austere seeming knowledgeable wise old lady and she does things like giving Jen rings to wear when she can't sleep to, to help her get to sleep to doing other little kind of magical things for example right at the beginning of the book on page 11 uh, Jen is thinking about anecdotes that she can tell Marianne her daughter about Lily and she thinks the man who owned that pink bungalow there had a beautiful fat fuchsia I used to pop the buds when I went past and one day he saw me and he came out and shouted at me until I cried when Lily found out, she got this look on her face and said he should be more careful. She stole a cutting from the fuchsia and put it in a black envelope and wrote his name on it. And the very next day, while we were having breakfast, he walked in front of the post van. He was in hospital for the rest of the summer. I remember Lily hearing the ambulance and going to look. And when she found out who it was, she smiled at herself. And I was never sure if she'd made it happen. So that's one of the things and the book is filled with those little anecdotes from young Jen's point of view that she kind of thinks that her gran is magic and that she can do these like spells and things when really it's kind of a mixture of folk magic and superstition and just Lily being eccentric and herself. The focus of Lily's magical tradition seems to be a photo album and this is also the source of the evidence behind a lot of the secrets in the book she keeps a photo album and in it she's put pictures of people with sort of things written underneath them which are quite suggestive and which um, are connected to the secrets concealed within the book and then around the pictures she's pressed flowers and leaves and things and those flowers and leaves are perhaps indicative of magic uh, in one instance um, Jen's father had heart trouble and heart problems and that's what eventually caused his death and then in the book um, around him are leaves from a plant which is used to treat heart sickness um, so it's sort of like a kind of sympathetic magic that Lily's put this book together and surrounded him with this healing plant as if in an effort to protect him and I think that's a really cool idea and definitely something that you could work into your own magical tradition, which is always nice to get something like that from a book like this. The other overtly magical thing in the book, uh, aside from sort of Lily's actions and Lily's photo album, is the presence of Lily herself. Uh, as the book continues and sort of past the halfway mark, Jen starts to hear Lily and see her in places. It changes slightly because it starts out as being just something, you know, you might hear a voice in your head that you know is just your mind telling you something but maybe in someone else's voice like a memory but as it goes on she starts to kind of perceive Lily as a, a distinct figure who's kind of haunting her and giving her advice and staying with her and helping her to work out all these mysteries that Lily has left behind for her uh, and I thought that was quite magical it kind of suggests um, a psychicness and in fact that sixth sense characteristic is present in other ways throughout the book um, for example Lily and Jen kind of share 
of power, I guess, in that they know when bad news is coming. They know when things are going to happen. Uh, so, for example, although Jen doesn't use the phone because she can't hear it, when she sees her husband answer the phone, she knows somehow from a, a dream that she had that her father has died. And these dreams kind of repeat themselves through the book. They're quite short, um, just memories of dreams. You don't actually have to read the whole dream sequence, for which I was phenomenally grateful, because what is more boring than a dream sequence? Like, I'm generally asking, like, is there anything that's more boring than a dream sequence? I guess maybe listening to someone talk about a dream that they've had in person, but pretty close run thing. Anywho, um, she has a lot of these dreams and there's symbolism in them and kind of ideas um, that become relevant to the plot later on. And things that she's come across are kind of revealed through her subconscious in dreams. Is it her subconscious telling her these things or is it actually like magic and psychic powers don't know left up to the reader it's very magical realism and I quite like that I was most of the way through the book when I started to worry that the ending wouldn't be able to wrap up the things that it had raised in the book a lot of the things it had raised were quite shocking and very raw emotionally there was quite a lot of uh, like I was definitely getting het up on Jen's behalf and her character's behalf and getting quite concerned and I was worried as a reader that the book wouldn't be able to sum all that up in a way that was satisfying to me as a reader that I would feel like the right characters had reached the right ending and other characters had reached the ending that they kind of deserved. This is so hard to do without spoiling things but you know but those fears were unfounded and by the time I'd reached the last page of the novel I felt like everything had been tied up really well with a neat little bow. It wasn't like an open ending or an ending where the book just kind of stopped at a random moment. It felt very considered and like I was in the hands of a true professional who had definitely plotted out this book and worked out exactly what they wanted to happen, how many pages it would take for that to happen and what I would be feeling at the end. It felt expertly crafted uh, and for that reason it's again the best book I've probably read this year. Cannot recommend it enough. It is definitely a really emotional read. I would compare it to Maggie O'Farrell's The Hand That First Held Mine, which is, again, a kind of a family-centred story about secrets and lies being discovered. There's a lot of raw emotion coming out. It definitely made me feel quite emotional at the end. Um, I'd become kind of sucked into this book. It was very absorbing, and I didn't really notice that I was being drawn in as deeply as I was, which I think is just the mark of a great book. If I had, like, one tiny complaint about it, it would be that I did see one plot twist coming from quite far off. Um, this is also a spoiler, but essentially Jen finds a list, uh, a kind of log that Lily has kept of abuse. Um, it was from quite a long time ago, but she's kept like a note of fights that she's heard and, and screams that she's heard through the floor. And this seems to relate to the downstairs neighbour and his wife. And it was quite obvious from the list and the way that it didn't really have any pronouns in it that the kind of twist was going to be that it's actually the husband being abused. But I thought it was fairly obvious because aside from the lack of pronouns, one of the things is that um, she notices a burn in the shape of an iron. And I don't know if it was just my background knowledge of EastEnders plot lines, but I was just like, mm, usually it's the woman that burns the man with the iron and not the other way around. It may have just been me putting those things together in my head that made it as predictable as it was to me but it did kind of like annoy me because the rest of it was so well plotted and I couldn't really tell what was going on 
but that I was like oh I see what's happened uh, something else is that the book is quite slow to keep going I would say most of the action kind of occurs in the last third but then it needs the first two thirds to kind of build this up in this sense in the reader that something's happening something's not quite right here something's a little bit off and then we're going to get into what that is and why it's happening so I can fully respect the the slowness of the lead in but you do definitely have to be willing to go with it and commit to reading it and not get distracted and start skimming because you will miss things so it's definitely not one that I would say oh yeah take on holiday and read on the beach like this is definitely going to require some attention but it's perfectly adequate for you know a rainy Sunday parked in the corner of the sofa with some music on and that's basically how I breezed through the last half of it it might not be as witchy as some of the other books that I've read and reviewed for this podcast but I think it's definitely worth including in the kind of canon of witchy literature it's probably on the far end of the spectrum from fantastical novels about you know witches who just kind of point and set things on fire it's definitely the antithesis of that it's probably the very definition of vague magical realism but for that reason I really enjoyed it and even without those elements it's still a fantastic novel it's just the fact that with them it's a fantastic novel that's right up my alley and hit all of my interests at once. You can buy Cassandra Parkin's Lily's House at any bookshop because it's still quite a recent release. The cover price is $8.99 which I think is actually quite reasonable for a book that you will definitely read at least three times. Um, you can also buy it obviously from Amazon, eBay, you can probably get it as an ebook as well on Amazon. There is a Kindle edition of the book which is $2.99 so if you wanted, you could go to a different tab and just buy it right now, because I think £3 essentially for this book is a really, really great deal. And I would quite happily probably pay 8 99 for it um, if I hadn't been gifted it by my wonderful friend who knows me so well. And I will definitely be picking up other Cassandra Parkin books, even though they don't seem to be connected to witchcraft in any sense. But she's definitely a good author and I'll definitely be checking her out and her other works out i hope you've enjoyed this episode uh, do drop me a line on twitter at witchfix or by gmail which is a witchfix podcast at gmail.com to let me know if there's any other books like this one you think i might like to read or if you've read it and really enjoyed it or you know anything at all really in the meantime i will see you in the next episode bye <laughs>